Hey, Shepherd family, I bring grace to you and peace from God our Father and through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, Christianity makes no apology for being a particular religion. We have a particular story of creation. We have a particular story about how morality and character have been developed and required by human beings, for human beings, by God. We have a particular story of how God saves or redeems or helps human beings in our story sinful, tough condition. We have a particular future that we're looking forward to that's coined as Judgment Day. There's a lot of particularities in Christianity that we have. We talk about a six-day creation. That's a horse pill to swallow. We talk about Ten Commandments and a very, very rigid and rigorous moral law. That's a horse pill to swallow. We talk about how salvation is found in nothing else than Jesus Christ who came into this world as God and man, died on a cross for our sins, rose bodily from the grave three days later, rose and ascended into heaven, and will come back to judge the living and the dead. That is a horse pill to swallow. We talk specifically about the fact that there is an actual day of judgment when the entire world will stand before God, their creator, and give answer for all the things that have been done while in the body. I like to say that that too is a horse pill to swallow. What's a horse pill? It's a big pill being swallowed by a human throat. What does that mean? You're likely to choke. And that's what happens when we swallow, ingest a horse pill. We choke. And this particularity of Christianity, yes, I'm serious. It's gross. I got a whole team behind me laughing, mocking me right now. But it's true. You know it's true. And if you are anyway a normal human being who also happens to be a Christian, you know that you struggle with these things too. You know that you struggle as someone who has grown up in a scientific, materialistic, educational environment with a literal six-day creation. Maybe you've even gotten into some discussion about young earth theory or old earth theory or something along those lines because the particularity of scripture, of our Christian faith, requires us to wrestle with just such things. In other words, you are in the process of dealing with a horse pill. Maybe you have struggled as a human being who happens to be a Christian. Maybe you have struggled with the reality of some sins not really being sins. Some commandments maybe not being applied in the way that they used to 20, 30, 60, 80, 90 years ago. That moral code and compass, which in Christianity is so particular, there is so much discussion right now about identity, sexuality, covetousness, greed, all those kinds of things. Maybe, maybe if you're a human being who happens to be a Christian, you struggle with the statement that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. Maybe you find in your heart of hearts that you say and think things like, well, everybody's worshiping the same God, aren't they? Aren't we all on the same path to heaven? Is, it, is there really a hell? Aren't we all being saved? Aren't we all going to be in heaven? And then finally, the idea of Judgment Day, another horse pill of particularity. Is there really going to be a Judgment Day? I mean, 
And how judgy will that judgment day truly be? My point is, we human beings by nature, we resist particularity a whole lot. We certainly don't like particularity being imposed on us by another human being. It's still even hard to be imposed upon by the God of heaven and earth. In other words, we just are in a wrestle moment. And this particular Sunday in the church's calendar is a particular Sunday. Not just because it's a Sunday with a specific date, but it's a particular Sunday because this Sunday has a particular theme that is dedicated to, my favorite word, the word that is the theme word for this message, particularity. Today is what is known as Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday is the Sunday of the church year, the one of the 52 Sundays of the year, where we remember this particular teaching that our God in Christianity is not just any God, but he's a God who has displayed himself through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We uh, do not believe in a God that is um, just a God, a single God, although he is but a God that we say is a triune God, a trinity, three persons in one God. It's particular. I'm not going to get into all of the details of that teaching. What I really want to do is stay at a 50,000 kind of bird's eye view level and just think about, again, the wrestle with Christianity as being a particular religion, And one that has, on this particular Sunday, a confession that says, we believe in God, who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to read to you today from Acts chapter 2, as Peter, after the Pentecost, after the church was essentially birthed and constituted in Acts chapter 2, I want to share with you Peter's words about this particular Christian faith. I want you to listen to how precise how unrelenting Peter is, the horse pill he is presenting to the world and saying essentially, if you do not swallow this horse pill, you cannot call yourself a Christian. It is that precise. It is that hard. Let's listen in to Peter's words and then we'll come back and think about how do we live as very unparticular people in a very particular kind of faith. In Acts chapter 2, Peter says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. Now, Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. That's pretty unrelenting. If there's a horse pill... Peter's asking everybody there on that day of Pentecost, which numbered in the thousands, are you ready to ingest this? 
Because if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you have to be inclined toward what I just said to you. You have to be willing to accept an ever-increasing degree of particularity regarding the nature of creation and sin and salvation and faith and ultimate judgment in order to be part part of this thing called the Christian church. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, if you're like me, you know that you have doubts that creep into your heart and mind. That is what it means to be limited or finite as a human being. We're not God. We don't understand everything. We can't comprehend all that there is. That's just being a creature, a a created being. Um, It's not good or bad. It's just the way we're made. We're not God. But we also know that there is sin. There is um, uh, self-absorbed tendencies that are at work in us. And, and therefore, we want to preserve ourselves. We want to make ourselves gods in a way. And we want to have everybody else kind of revolve around us. That's just the way it, it kind of works. So we come to these statements like the one that Peter just gave us. And, and it's, 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 a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. So what do we do with all of this? How do we, how do we work in a world where we are, are doubters, we are uh, limited in our comprehension of how it all fits together? How do things work for us and how do things work, especially for those that we love? Let's just say, for instance, that I'm a Christian and, and I believe this to be true, what I just shared with you from the words, the mouth of the Apostle Peter. What do I do? How do I move others that I love a little bit closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or to use a better word, I think a more descriptive word, how do I get them to bend just a little bit? How do I nudge them? And that's the question that I'm always asking as a pastor. Um, I'm asking that question, how do I nudge people? And, and as I look, and there's just a, a kind of a, a schematic diagram that I have when I talk with people, and I'm just trying to figure out where are people at on this schematic diagram. On the one side, there are the so-called atheists, right? Um, the atheists who believe there is nothing more beyond at least by their own admission. They say, you know what? We are secular materialists. We believe that um, we came from the Big Bang. We, uh, through an evolutionary process, kind of showed up here as sentient beings. And by the time it all is done, we're going to be put into the ground and we're going to start fertilizing daisies and feeding worms. It's a little aggressive, I know. But, but, but that's kind of where, where we have uh, in the schematic diagram a starting point. And on the other side, there's, there's the pure Christian, the one who particularly believes that God has sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to bear our sins, to be our Savior, rise bodily from the grave at a point in time, in particular history, and then ascend into heaven and will come back to judge the living and the dead. Bada bing, bada boom, history is over. We are now in eternity and we are just enjoying a very wonderful, idyllic life with God and the angels and all of redeemed creation. It's going to be great. Somewhere between those points is everyone. And I mean everyone. I believe, and I teach, somewhere between this pure, secular materialist that believes there's nothing more beyond, allegedly, and beyond this pure Christian who really, in some ways, doesn't exist at all because we all have our doubts. I've never met a Christian as a pastor who does not have some doubt, who does not wrestle in some way with the truth, the particular truth of Christianity. We have this 
spectrum or schematic in which we're working. And so my question is, how do I help people move to higher levels of particularity? And on this Trinity Sunday, when we deal with the particulars of God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit over and against Allah, over and against Jehovah, over and against Vishnu, over and against um, Eastern transcendental meditation, religious thought, Shintoism, Buddhism, beyond all of those, how do we take this very particular religion over here? How do we move people from one side to the other? Personally speaking, how do I move myself to the next level? of particularity in my own Christian faith. How do you do that for yourself? You know, I just am mindful that in this schematic diagram, we have some space. And, and for me, you know, there is the reality that most people believe there's something more beyond. There's something more going on in this world. There is a force called good. There is a force called evil. Impersonal, though it may be, but there is a force. Uh, maybe you've seen it in Star Wars, spoken of. Maybe you've learned a little bit about it in Eastern religious thought, yin and yang theory, that kind of thing. There is good, there is bad, right? Um, that's what Harry Potter was taught by Sirius Black, his godfather, if you remember that scene from the Harry Potter series. There is good, there is evil in each of us. People are not split between good and bad, Sirius said to his godson, there's a little bit of light and darkness in each of us. That's the idea. There's something more beyond. There's a power that's at work, but it's impersonal. I can work with that as a pastor. Because I can then ask the question, well, do you pray? And to whom do you pray? It, it seems like you're saying there's not just something more beyond, but there's someone more beyond and by the way, this someone, this particularly someone, this personal being is personally invested in us where we can have enough confidence to pray and enough hope to believe that our prayers might be answered. I live in a world, and I don't know uh, what your world is like, but I live in a world when, when I go to funerals, when I uh, talk with people who are in hospitals, I don't hear a lot of people who don't ask for prayer, who won't say, I'll be praying for you, or at least, you know, generically, I'll think for you, I'll think about you, I'll raise some good thoughts for you. The implication is to whom? For what purpose? What do you expect positively to get from those thoughts, those prayers? You see what I'm saying? In this schematic diagram, there is a continuum from secular materialism to particularity of Christian faith, and we're all on the pathway. And that's what I'm always looking to do, is, is to do what Peter is trying to do here in Acts chapter 2, and that is to put more particular um, color into the life of faith in those that he's preaching of. I wonder, did Peter have any sense that all the three, four, five thousand people that were listening to him that, that day in Acts chapter 2, that they were just going to flip a switch and all of a sudden be perfect, pure Christians? I don't think he believed that. I don't think you read the rest of the book of Acts, the next 26 chapters, and say, oh yeah, they became perfect Christians immediately from that day forward. They certainly didn't. 26 chapters of Acts, plus all the rest of the New Testament, prove again and again that there are no perfect Christians. 
There is no purity of lived faith. There's pure faith, faith in the Son of God. There is that. But there is no pure lived faith. There is no perfect Christian human. There are only Christians who are learning day in and day out how to put away what is imprecise or unparticular and adopt a little bit more purely what is the particular faith and identity of a Christian that Scripture speaks about. And my friends, that's what we have to be about in this 21st century moment. We live, as I like to say, in a confused world and a confusing world. The world itself is objectively confused. I am objectively confused. You are objectively confused by this world. And the world perpetrates confusion on us again and again, day after day, television show after television show, Netflix binge watch after Netflix binge watch. It is an ongoing struggle for us to avoid or evade this confusing world we live in. So what do we do? We listen to the words of Paul in the letter to the Philippians. I press on to the goal for which Christ has called me heavenward, to the pure and perfect experience of God, his will, his word, his life, his doctrine, his practice. I press on toward that. And along the way, I shed all that detracts from it when it becomes known to me and I find that pathway forward. I press on. Friends, you and I are called to press on. I don't know how many more years of your life you have. I know that I'm getting closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning of my life. But no matter whether I'm young or old with our a high schoolers or youth ministry, whether with our older adults, every day is an opportunity for us to heed the words of Peter, the particularity of what he presents, and press on to the goal of becoming more and more like Christ in our belief and in the way that we live our lives. That schematic diagram matters not just for us, it also matters for those we love. The grandkids that are so tied to their device, we don't understand what captivates them. Can't we play Rummy Cube or Sorry or Monopoly? Can't we just talk and be human with one another? How do we nudge them just a little bit closer to the fact that there is a creator? That there is a problem known as sin and evil in this world. That there is a Savior that is available to us. That there is a faith by which we believe in that Savior and are forgiven of our sins by God. That there is a day of judgment coming when we have to give answer. Not only to the deeds sinfully done in the body, but the faith by which we have escaped the punishment for those deeds. We have every constant opportunity to nudge, to bend, to incline, not coercively, but gently, winsomely, and in love. Just as Peter was doing here in Acts chapter 2, just as Paul would do, just as pastors we have known and loved in the church as we've grown up and as we seek to pastor others in our life of faith. And if we can do that on this particular Trinity Sunday in this particular Christian church year of 2021, we will have done just enough to be found faithful 
and to be worthy of that final affirmation, well done, good and faithful servant. You have helped particularize the Christian faith a little bit more accurately for yourself and for those that you love, that God has given you to love and to influence. And that's enough for today. Amen? Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen.